Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Caroline, you should tell them about the newest thing that Bloody Happy Hour is doing. A Patreon. It's a Patreon. What is that? Um, that means you're basically like a VIP member and you get you get some perks. You maybe get like merch a little earlier. You get Or exclusive merch. Exclusive merch. You could get um first dibs on signing up for a live show you get episodes with no commercials you get our video because our video is no longer available on youtube it is only on patreon and the most important to me is you get videos of our live shows but also bonus episodes each month but if you're on a Patreon, you're VIP, you're going to get more. Because I always have a lot of details I want to go to. I can law explain. I might read a book. <laughs> this is also going to be the exclusive place that Dirty Chat is going to go to. In order to hear the full content, it's going to be Patreon. Where do they go again? Patreon.com slash bloody happy hour. Hey y'all, I'm April. And I'm Caroline. And this is your bloody happy hour. Caroline, are you ready for this? This is your newest guilty pleasure. It's the bloodiest part of your week. Did we say something about it also being happy hour? Showed in. Because we about to be sipping on some murder. Bloody happy hour. y'all this is april and this is caroline thirsty thursday full episode here and if you don't know this podcast is called bloody happy hour yeah what do we do on this podcast i think we talk about stuff that happens to turn out bloody which is usually crime or you know anything crime crime (laughs) and uh we get thirsty because we talk a lot so Mm -hmm. then we have to stay quenched um, so we typically choose um, beverages with alcohol. Yeah. Why would you not? Yeah. So I got Deep Eddie Lemon today. I'm taking it back old school. Yeah, you really are. And what I do you have? French waters. French water. Um, I mean, and what, what? You have to, you got to laugh a little bit. And you yeah. got to drink a little bit when you deal with all of this stuff. Yeah. And when you just live in the world because world. Yeah. Yeah. It's our happy hour, so if you enjoy happy hour, then tune in, listen to this story. It's Caroline's turn tonight. She's going to tell us a good one. Um, And if you have other friends that enjoy happy hour and true crime, you should send this episode to some of your friends. And if you've been listening to us for a while, or even if it's your first time, and you have not gone on and rated us, you should go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts, and put a rating in or reviewing review in Mm -hmm. rate us review us but then also subscribe to us so you'll get all the new episodes as they come up yeah do everything she just said and uh you never know because you always 
uh, want somebody to go talk to about, like, I want to talk about what this case or this case or this case or whatever. And so you never know. Your friend might be interested. Then you have somebody to go and talk about the podcast with. Yeah. I mean, yeah. why would you not? Yeah. So or you could be awkward like me and just always talk about it, no matter who gives a shit or not. <laughs> I know. So, but you, luckily for you, you were married before all of this. Oh, now they just think you're Now awkward? they just think I'm crazy. But I try not to talk about it too much. <laughs> not on your dates. Yeah. Not on your swipes. Mm-mm. I okay. just try to ask them questions. Got it. Look at you. I know. I'm really growing. Good. Good, good, good. Okay, Caroline, where are we going today? We're what going to Minnesota. Minnesota. Um, have you ever watched Wizard of Oz? Yes. Okay. Do every you know time the it comes cowardly, on, I know every word. Do you know the cowardly lion? Yes. Can you mimic how he sounds? You put me on the spot. Does he sound anything similar to this? I can't get He was crying all the time. Okay, well, that's kind of where we're going today. We're going to do something called the Weepy Voice Killer. Oh. And he has a very weepy voice. Uh. He's been weeping. <laughs> okay, do we know who the killer is? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've heard of it. I know. I, I know. know it. I know. It's. And these, by the way, when these 911 calls come up, they're so annoying. This guy is so annoying. But I will tell you what he says after because they're transcribed. So here we go. Let's do it. The Whippy Voice Killer. So I'm, I'm kind of jumping right in. And you got to pay attention because some of them, it's just the whole thing. And I, he doesn't have much of a background childhood, but I'll get to that at the end. So New Year's Eve 1980. I already know his mom probably yelled at him all the time. He had overbearing. He was one of ten kids, so he didn't have no attention. No attention. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to diagnose him as I'm going through. Okay, Casey, I'm I'm being a Casey. Well, well, I I was gonna hold off and give you that. Oh, okay. But I can tell you. No, 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 no. I wanted to guess it as we go. Okay, yeah. So, uh, 1980 New Year's Eve, 20 year old student Karen Potak had just arrived to St. Paul, Minnesota, and she was meeting up with her sisters for a New Year's Eve party, um, and she starts drinking, and, you know, you get a little heavy on the sauce, and you're going to have a little New Year's Eve party time, but she somehow decided that she was going to pull something like what I do and just wander off and just... Oh. <laughs> you should never do that. You should <laughs> never drunkly wander off into nothing. Um, but if you're on the Cayman Islands and you're going to do a, you're going to go walk through the drive-thru, it should be okay. You're safe. Mm-hmm. No? no? Okay, no. Um, so she wanders off from this party, and then three hours later, around 3 a.m., police receive a call from a man wanting a squad car to be sent to Pierce Butler Road at the Malberg Manufacturing Company. Remember the Malberg Manufacturing Company machine shop. So this is where there was a, quote, girl hurt there, okay? And the caller's voice is very shaky, filled with emotion, like, and the dispatch got, person is, like, once the dispatch asks for the name of the person, the person hangs up. Officers get to the scene. They find Karen's naked body. 
in a snowbank. What's a snowbank? I don't know. A bank near the railroad tracks. She's been beaten with the tire iron so severely that her skull is cracked and you can see her brain. Oh. But she is alive. No. She survives. Is she okay? Well, she's got brain yeah, trauma. Yeah, some cognitive. So she has no memory of the attack. Uh, and it severely affects her memories, but she lived through it, and this just seems to be a random attack. How she is she speech fine? I don't know, oh. but that's all I'm I know. Worried is about well, that. <laughs> it's a traumatic K- brain injury. Karen Potak, P O T A C K. So mm. this was this was in 1980. Okay. okay. And now a word from our sponsors. Then we go to the next one. His next victim. This is the second attack, but his first murder. And this is Kimberly Compton. This is on June 3rd, 1981. And a group of uh, boys were walking through this wooded area near Interstate 35. This is in St. Paul. And they come across the body of an 18-year-old Wisconsin student named Kimberly Compton. Um, She stabbed 61 times with an ice pick and was strangled with the shoelace. So Karen Compton or Kimberly Compton is the one who's stabbed with the ice pick and strangled with the shoelace. And the first one was beaten with the tire iron. Yes. Okay. So, so then they have another police call and it's this caller who's tearful and full of emotion and reports that he committed this crime and he tells the police Quote, God damn, you will find me. I just stabbed somebody with an ice pick. I can't stop myself. I keep killing somebody. I keep killing somebody. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it, the phrase that he uses. So they trace the call back to a phone. It's a pay phone near a bar in this near this bus depot. And by the time they get there, of course, the killer's gone. Um, but at this point, they dub this guy and they give him his name as the weepy voiced killer. Two days later, the killer called again to say that he was sorry for what he did oh my to Compton. And this is the first phone call that I'm going to play for you. Don't, don't talk. Just listen. I'm sorry what I did to Compton. I couldn't help it. Don't know why I had to stab her. I am so upset about it. I keep getting drunk every day. I can't believe it. It's like a big dream. I can't think of being locked up. If I get locked up, I'd kill myself. I'd rather kill myself to get locked up. I'll try not to kill anybody else. Okay, that's the first one. So what he said was, don't talk, just listen. He always starts it off with, don't talk, just listen. He said, I'm sorry what I did to Compton. I couldn't help it. I don't know why I stab her. I'm so upset. I keep getting drunk every day, but I can't believe. It's like, this is a big dream. I can't think of being locked up. If I get locked up, I'll kill myself. I'd rather kill myself than get locked up. I'll try not to kill anybody else. Mm. 
Well, he seems to be really worried about himself and not that he just stabbed this person 61 yeah. times with an ice pick yeah. and uh, with the stringer or with the shoelace. Yeah. And this is why I also think that he sounds like this cowardly lion. <laughs> he sounds just like the lion. I wonder if he remembers the phone calls the next morning if he's this drunk. I think that's what I think that okay and I mentioned that later it's like Jekyll and Hyde type of a thing uh -huh. where he like does this stuff and then he wakes up and regrets it and uh -huh. doesn't have a clue what he or like yes yeah 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 I, I was the not this. there is okay yeah. yes there yeah. is that's where some of this is from yep so he doesn't um so then he goes on and it's uh July 21st 1982 so it's like a year later uh, a woman named Carol Carol Kellogg goes to her friend's house. Her friend is Kathleen Greening. Okay, Kathleen Greening. They're on vacation to, they go to Mackinac Island. Carol goes to the house. She knocks on the door. She's going to, or she's going to meet up with Kathleen. She goes to Kathleen's house. She knocks on the door. Nobody answers. She's like, well, we're about to go on vacation, so whatever. She tries to open the door. The door's unlocked, so she goes in. She's like, hey, Kathleen, Kathleen. Nobody answers. So she starts looking around the house. She's checking every room. Kathleen isn't there. Finally, she notices the bathroom light is on, so she goes into the bathroom. That's where she finds Carol's naked body floating, lying face up in the filled bathtub. What? In the what bathtub? Filled, like water oh, filled. Like, okay. Or I guess not face up, but she's floating in the bathtub. Okay. Full of water. Okay. Um, and her head is like by the by the tap and then her feet or legs are just out, whatever. Um, and so she calls the police and they ultimately rule Kathleen's death an accident. Oh, she f accidentally filled up the water and fell in? Yeah. Because there's no proof of anything nefarious that happened. But Kathleen's friends and family don't think that this is an accident. They think it's her estranged husband that did it. But police look into him and they ultimately find nothing. Ugh. And so they file no charges against him. So now we have this case that's just gone cold. Okay. So about a month later, August 5th, it's the same year, 82. Ooh. 40-year-old Barbara Simons goes for, uh, she goes out to the bar that's, it's called the Hexagon Bar in Minneapolis. She meets a man there. He's going to smoke a cigarette. She offers him a cigarette, and they smoke, and then he offers her a ride home, and she says yes. Mm. As she's leaving, she tells the bartender... He's cute. I hope he's nice because he's giving me a ride home. Ooh, a good looking one. They and then are. they leave. The next morning, August 6th, a paper boy or whatever is walking along the Mississippi River, uh, finds Barbara's dead body. She's been stabbed over a hundred times. So we have over. Gosh. He hates women. Again. The police get another phone call, and it's the same voice. This time, he's full-on crying, and he once again starts the phone call with, please don't talk, just listen. <laughs> but and there was no phone call after the bathtub, girl. Correct. Okay. Correct. So this is... This doesn't seem this, related. The yeah. The bathtub girl right. doesn't 
This is that phone call. Emergency. Please don't talk to him, bless him. I'm sorry, I killed that girl. I stabbed her 40 times. Kimberly Compton was the first one. Oh, my chief. Oh, I don't know what's the matter with me. I'm sick. I'm going to kill myself, I think. Where are you? I'm just going to... If somebody dies with a red shirt on, it's me. I killed both of them. I'm sorry. I'll never make it to so what cut off at the very end is the the 911 dispatcher saying, calm down. Shut the fuck up. Calm, shut <laughs> up. You're annoying as hell. This poor office. Uh, but he probably has women that talk to him like that all the time, and that would have set him off. So he says, please don't talk, just listen. I'm sorry I killed a girl, stabbed her 40 times. Kimberly Compton was the first one over at St. Paul. I don't know what's the matter with me. I'm sick. I'm going to kill. He said the same thing. Somebody, it's just stupid. What about a red shirt? He says, if somebody dies with a red shirt on, it's me, it's me. because he's now he's talking about he's going to kill himself. And then at the very <laughs> end, he says, I've killed more people. I'll never make it to heaven. <laughs> so uh, he he's clearly calling for attention because it, uh, he's just crying about himself. And he's yeah. just he just he's trying to get this is where the Jekyll and Hyde that I, I wrote that in those notes that he's. He's maybe going and doing these things and doing these insane overkill murders and then realizing, like, oh, gosh, what did I do? And then wakes up feeling bad. Yeah, yeah. But like you said, with criminal minds. So the investigators start their search, and they are searching for this killer. They are trying to identify who Barbara left the bar with the night before because they're like, maybe this will connect us. So there's witnesses that say they remember seeing her leave with a man that was around 40, six feet tall, 185 pounds, a white man with a receding hairline. <laughs> so Barbara must have not been have high standards. No. No. So, well, rest in peace, Barbara. It's not your fault. So then on August 21st, 1982, so it's a month later, police are still searching for Barbara's killer uh, from this hexagon bar, and then... This is when 19-year-old Minneapolis sex worker Denise Williams is out on the streets. She's working. Uh, a client approaches her. They start talking about pricing. And then she gets into his car. Mm. It's just normal. Yeah, it's part of the job. Part of the job. But they drive to a secluded location. They have sex. Afterwards, he says he's going to drive her back home. But as they're driving, she notices that... He's going further away Ugh. into this dark area that she does not recognize. God, I hate and that. And they're not going back into the city. So it's this, like, suburban area. So she starts getting a little uneasy. She knows that she's in danger. But then she realizes that, and I think they're in her car. What? No, because not if she's noticing that he drove I away. Know. So he's driving her car? Hang on. Well, he, appro he approaches her. So she gets She's into his car. She gets into okay. his car. Yeah. Um, but she notices that there's a, a bottle like by her foot. Vodka. I don't know. But b basically she's preparing to oh. use the bottle against him if something happens. Because now she's like, okay, this is not the right way to go. And then, sh but she notices she feels this bottle by her foot. So she's like kind of prepping herself in her head. He pulls off to like a dead end street. And then all of a sudden just like turns and starts stabbing her. And he's stabbing her with the screwdriver. Oh my gosh. But she's so ready and she grabs that bottle. 
And she hits. And she grabs a bottle and she smashes him over the head with it in the car. And then she starts screaming. She's screaming so loud. I thought they were in the secluded area, but apparently there's close enough to there's a neighbor by. So the neighbor comes out of the house and the neighbor tackles the attacker to the ground, saves Denise, but the attacker ends up escaping because, you know, I guess once he saved her, he was like, whatever, let him go, obviously. So saves Denise. The uh, Denise ends up getting stabbed 15 times with the screwdriver. And I'm sure he just like stabbed, like, yeah, quick, like you're in prison. Like Aiden Fochi. Oh, my goodness. So the neighbor calls the ambulance for Denise and then tells the police what the attacker looks like. And um, meanwhile, the attacker makes his way back to his apartment. Okay. And that's where he calls police for himself because he's now injured. <laughs> and so he calls for the ambulance. And so it, but so it's another 911 call with this same weepy, weepy guy uh-uh. and the same weird voice. And, but the dispatcher's like, I recognize this voice. You're the one that keeps calling saying that you killed somebody and that they ended up being stabbed to death. And so the dispatcher, I'm assuming it's like while she's on the phone with him, she's letting the police know like this, like here, this is what's going on. And like that, it's the same guy who's been committing all these murders calling. And so he's on the phone. So police show up at his apartment. And they and his car, meanwhile, is still in the same spot where he ran from. Well, I guess because he did that, but I guess he ran. I don't know. Somehow he got back to his apartment. I don't know where's. But okay, yeah. But he left his car. I don't know about his car. Oh, okay, but ha- he had to get back to his apartment somehow. Oh, so he ran back to his car, maybe. Probably, but the whole the important part is is that the you know we're not all about facts here, <laughs> but these are mainly facts. And I picture it as I'm going, so I'm like, if I he know, took off, I do too, and I try the, to. Here's the car, and then they can run the VIN, right? And figure out who it's with. But luckily, he called the police from his apartment, <laughs> so and they, they traced him, and they were able to get to his apartment, and they finally are able to arrest him. Okay. And they identify him as 37 year old. 37. That's young. Like back in the day, I was like, That's was that old? Because <laughs> he looks so old. I don't think I looked that old. Mm. but I'm thir- I'm 37 or 30. I don't know. I'm 38. I don't know, but I'm basically that age. Anyway, Paul Michael Stefani, Paul Michael Stefani. Okay. He's arrested and he's charged with second degree assault for Denise Williams attack. Okay. So they just have him for that one attack. They dig a little deeper into his background and they are able to connect him to Barbara Simon, the one from the bar. Mm-hmm. because they're able to connect Barbara Simon's murder to him because of the eyewitness accounts. Okay. So there was a waitress who saw Barbara leave the hexagon bar with the man who she knew was Paul Stefani. She knew his name. He'd been there before. So when police come back around to look into who Stefani was, like to look into him, the lady at the bar is like, oh, yeah, that's who she left yeah. with Paul. Yeah. yeah, okay, okay. So they begin, um, they look even deeper into the background, and they find out that he used to work, and he was fired from the Malberg Manufacturing Company, 
which is where he was fired from in 1977, which is three years before he attacked the original Karen Pollock at the same place her body was found. Mm-hmm. Got it? Yes, yes. So basically, they're able to add a murder charge for Barbara on top of the assault for Denise. And then now Karen. They're working on Karen. Okay. Little bit, let's do, we'll do the background of him. He um, is from that area, Minnesota. He was born in 1944. He was one of 10 kids, super religious family, super uh, repressed. Uh. He married a woman named Bar- Beverly, and they had a, ki- a daughter, and then they were later divorced. He liked the most basic names. Karen, Barbara, Beverly. What was the other one? Kimberly. Kimberly. <laughs> he, yep. I don't know. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to say about his upbringing. One of ten highly religious. He, his mother remarried when he was very young. He had a stepfather. <laughs> this could have been part of the problem. Um, the stepfather just sometimes threw the kids down the stairs. <laughs> So could have had a little bit of head trauma. So could have had a little head trauma, and you know, but that—that's that, basically all they give about his upbringing what? and background. Like, so they are just like, this guy's weird because he's a weepy voice killer. So, um, so Stefani goes to trial for the murder, for that murder, and for the attack of uh, X Y. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, oh. He goes to trial, and they get the ex-wife, Beverly, and some of his sisters to testify that that is his voice on the phone calls. okay. So they're using that to try to connect him to more things, um, but they can't necessarily use it for... Yeah, because that can't be proven. Exactly. They can't, they can't link it to the case that, w- remember the one that, the girl that was in the bathtub and he never made the call? They have yet to connect, they were, were not able to connect, I guess they were just trying to connect all of them, right? All the women deaths, what was her name? Uh, Kimberly, that was Kimberly Compton? No, because no, that's the one he, he talked, that was, um, hang on. I I'll tell you if it was him by the name. <laughs> There's Kathleen Gr- Kathleen. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Georgia. But why were not why not overkill with him? With her. It, exactly. And then how would you get in the house? Mm-hmm. B- but she was married. So maybe not. I feel like it's unrelated. Okay. But the name fits the profile. <laughs> uh I scroll, scroll. Okay, so yes. Ex ex wife, sister, they come and they try to testify to the voice. They're all saying that it's him, and they're trying to get all the charges together, connect all these attacks. Um, and because, but, but because part of the calls are so incoherent at the mm-hmm. end of the calls, it's like, wow, you know, like all this stuff. They can't directly connect it. So um, he is eventually found guilty in both uh, the second-degree assault charge and the murder charge for Barbara Simon. Okay, okay, so they have the sex worker and Barbara Simon. And they give him... <laughs> I guess she was only worth 40 years in prison. Uh, okay. So, it's 1997. He's 53 years old. 
He's still in prison. He gets diagnosed with skin cancer. And the doctor's telling that he has about a year to live. I don't know what kind of skin cancer, but it must have been deep. So he tells the authorities and the investigators that he has some confessions that he needs to make. Okay. About some other attacks. And he says that he wants to apologize to the victim's families before he dies. So on a taped confession, he confesses to the murders of Kathleen Greening, which is the bathtub girl. Ugh. Kimberly Compton, which is the tire iron. That's the one that happened at the Malberg Manufacturing Company who they thought, yeah. And he had not even been a suspect in the greening in the bathtub case. Yeah. Because there was no phone call and it didn't match his MO. Yeah. And that was one that was also really early. And so he just basically gave that one to him. How did he get there? Why? Can we write him a letter? Yeah. Well, actually, you could, but you can't because in 1998, which was a year later, you know, he got that skin cancer. He dies at Oak Park Heights Maximum Security Prison, just shy of his 54th birthday. And then, ladies and gentlemen, that is the story of the (laughs) Weepy Voice Killer. How long was... So, he wasn't very sorry if he... Didn't tell them up front. Like, you were calling, you're apologizing, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm sorry. <laughs> but when you actually got caught and you could have made it right, you didn't. You only did when it was time to probably really save yourself. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He doesn't care. He just cares about himself. I think he... Mm-mm. No. No, no. He, had to, he either hated his mom or his wife. I think he just... Yeah, and I think he didn't get attention as a kid because if you're one of ten, well, then again, my grandma was one of ten and she never had issues. Yeah. I don't think her brothers Every, and siblings All were, my Mexican family is one of ten, seven or ten. Yeah, or twelve or fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> they don't do that. But luckily, so uh, at least... They do drink, though. That they, <laughs> so we had five, one, two, three, four, five total victims. And eventually... Copped to them all oh, with his whole weepy voice. Wow. No. Yeah, that voice. Mm-mm. No. Paul Stefan. Paul Michael Stefani. Stefani. As in Gwen. Related to Gwen. As in Gwen. Wow. Good story. I've heard the term. Ew. If this guy is thir- Well, is he 37 there? Because I do not, that does not look like a 37-year-old. But I guess some 37-year-olds look look like that. I feel like back then people weren't as vain. And so they're just like, oh, this is how I look. That's true. But I also do have classmates that I'll run into and I'm like, are we the same age? Exactly. I have a question about bald people. Why are you letting it grow on the sides? Just shave it off. They don't. Why do you leave a tuft of hair and have hair island on the front and then it's all gone in the middle? Get rid of it. We don't need a hair island over here (laughs) flapping at you. I'm just saying. It it looks 10 times worse. And bald heads look amazing. Yes. Just Just shave it. Just shave it. You will look so much better. You're just. I think it's one thing if you're bald for a as a choice. 
but like when your hair falls out and you but didn't I make think the that choice, if you if you do have that receding situation about to happen, you just shave it off by the when you're 20 or whatever. Cut the shit off, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then you don't ever have to even. If I could be bald, oh, yeah, I would. I, I would live my best life. Yep. There's your hair care. Ooh. There's your hair care for the day. So if you're going bald, go ahead and get rid of it. If you're going bald, do not have hair island on either side. Don't have side island. Don't have front island. There's no need for it. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. But Okay. There you go. Good story. Quick and easy. All right, y'all. Oh, we're out of here so early. I know. I, I don't. I, I love it. I know. I got to go set my roster for my fantasy team. So Okay. We will see y'all um Thursday for a new episode and we're going to have a Halloween special for you guys so on Halloween you will not get our quickie normal quickie you're going to get a ghost story we're going to have a special guest come on and tell us the story because you know Caroline and our are not very festive with the holidays so we're oh, going to bring I'm somebody decorated. in well, I mean, oh. like, for the podcast. Oh, 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 Like, oh. we don't have a whole, like, month of Halloween. We tried it one year. Mm-hmm. We couldn't get into, like, the haunted and the, like, ghost oh, stories. yeah, because then I didn't believe anything. I thought it was all fake. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But this will be good. Yeah. I think I'm just going to take off a whole day at work for Halloween. For Halloween? like It's basically like a, I mean, it's a holiday. According to American Horror Story, it's the day that people who are dead can actually come back and walk Zombies. the earth. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and it might is. as well. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. We will see y'all next week for a whole new week. And if you're Patreon, you will get a bonus episode next week because I didn't edit it in time to drop it this week. So you'll get it next week. We'll see y'all next time. Don't forget to stay aware, stay alive, and always be DTF. Bye, y'all. Goodbye. Hey, I'm Blair. And I'm Brittany. And we're the host of By the, the Cover, Cover Podcast. Podcast. We cover everything from mysteries, thrillers, romance, chiclet, and even some smut. Don't forget the smut. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're so excited to get this thing going and share this with you guys. We've been talking about this for months, and it's finally, finally happening. Yes. Special shout out to Rogue Media for helping us with this. For sure. For (laughs) sure. You can find us on Instagram at bythecover underscore podcast. You can also find us on Facebook and TikTok, so don't forget to give us a follow on those two also. We are so excited to dive into some of our favorite books and share those with you. We can't wait. Hope you love it. Hi, and welcome to Bustles and Bangers with your hostess, Rachel and Christopher. I love it when you say my name. And you didn't say hi. I didn't. You you just kept going. I'm going to introduce the book. I'm <laughs> not reading it It's because I don't like reading. Girls like cowboy butts, you know, and those jeans don't hide anything. Mm. Find us on Instagram at Bustles and Bangers or on RogueMediaNetwork.com. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.